the butterflies flying around in the sanctuary this morning? Oh, wait, those are all inside of me. Uh, first time preaching, I was thinking to myself, uh, if you're going to do this for the first time, what a blessing uh, to be here at, uh, in this church uh, doing this for the first time because uh, as I look at all of the, uh, the faces, uh, and I was thinking about this this morning, I said, man, my brothers and sisters are, uh, are for me. And so uh, not if but when I uh, you know, make a mistake or whatnot, uh, they're all with me. And so um, grateful to be here uh, this morning. Uh, please join me in prayer. Uh, Father God, thank you for your word. Uh, We praise you uh, for it. Uh, Father, we praise you that your word is perfect, that it's living, that it's active. Uh, Father, that uh, you are perfect, Father, and that uh, you live according to your word, Lord, that you are uh, perfect uh, in the representation of uh, the words that we're going to read this morning. Uh, You are worthy of our praise, Father. Only by uh, your power, Heavenly Father, do we uh, transform into the likeness of Jesus Christ, and that is our chief desire. So please be with us this morning, Father God, as we uh, study your word, and uh, help us to do just that, Lord. Help us to grow uh, more like Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, I know most of you here, some I don't. My name is Dale Scott. Uh, I am a a member here at Providence Church, uh, and I work for the uh, the nonprofit in relationship with the church called Cross Purpose. Um, but beyond that, um, you know, as the elders are on their retreat this morning uh, or the, over this weekend, uh, they, uh, they asked me to, uh, to share. And uh, I think it may be because they know that uh, I love the word of God. Uh, I am an imperfect man. Uh, I open up the word of God on a daily basis and my heart breaks because I am so far from uh, the promises and the call to maturity that, uh, that I read, but I love the word. Uh, as I was thinking about this, uh, this message today, I thought about, uh, the day that I was sitting in a, uh, in a jail cell, having been arrested, uh, and just how lost I was, or I thought about also, uh, the, uh, season of marriage where Maida and I were headed to a sure and fast divorce because of my, uh, just lack of virtue and ignorance in regards to what it means to be a man. Uh, I thought about my desire to not have more children after the first one was born because I said, man, I just have no hope on being a good father. Um, I don't know how to do this. I'm going to mess this thing up. And so maybe the solution here is we just end at one so I don't mess up anybody else's life. And everything changed for me uh, when a man of God uh, named Daniel Moriarty said, Dale, the difference is the word of God. Sure, you got saved a number of years ago, but you don't have the strength to live a life of virtue because you haven't read the word of God. You haven't consumed it. You haven't fed your soul. And ever since I fought uh, and made that my endeavor to enter into God's presence through his word every day, everything in my life changed. Uh, It didn't happen overnight, uh, but it changed. And so uh, as for my family and I, for my wife and I, for our kids, um, We make it our endeavor to enter into the presence of God and his word every day. And so, um, thank you, Father, for your word. Uh, We're going to look at this passage in Luke this morning. Um, I love the book of Luke. As um, you all know, there are four gospels that 
talk about the life of Jesus Christ, and the book of Luke is one of those. Uh, Luke was a surgeon. Uh, he wrote this book to Gentiles, to people uh, like many of us who didn't grow up in godly environments. Praise God for those of you who did. Uh, but this book is written to, to Gentiles, to people who didn't grow up with godly traditions and in a godly environment. And he highlights Jesus Christ's love for sinners. And so you see that reflected all throughout the scriptures, uh, like when the man was on the cross with Jesus. And he says, man, you know, remember me, you know, when you enter in, into, into, into your kingdom. And Jesus said, you'll be with me in paradise. Although you've lived this sinful life your entire life, we're here together and you're going to enter into eternity because you recognize who I am. And so Luke highlights Jesus's love for sinners. Um, and so in this parable that we're going to look at this morning, um, it's very simple. Jesus is using this parable uh, to illustrate the difference between a good heart and a bad heart. And the barometer of our faith or our heart condition is our response to the word. And so Jesus tells this parable, and we can picture this, right? This man goes out and he's throwing his seed out with the intention to raise a harvest of probably wheat and seeds falling all over the place. And so Jesus picks these four specific places to indicate the four heart types, which we'll look at in, in greater detail. Um, and so the, two of the themes that I, uh, I see in this passage that I think are worth highlighting is that for those of us that have a good heart, which is everyone at Providence Church, right? Amen. Amen. Um, Jesus is calling us to full maturity. And this passage, I think, also highlights the value of voluminous consumption of the scripture. Uh, praise God for those days where we just have time for a verse or, you know, one chapter. But I think that this scripture speaks to the, to the value of consuming voluminous amounts of scripture. Paul talked about letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly. And so just in a practical sense, if you were a farmer, this is a real question, and you wanted a harvest, would you throw out a lot of seed or a little bit? A lot. So the seed is the word of God. And so in our lives and in, our, in these good hearts that we have, uh, I believe this passage is encouraging us to throw a lot of seed into our hearts so that we reap this harvest. Uh, this parable is told in two other accounts in scripture, one in Mark, one in Matthew. And in those accounts, Jesus talks about the good soil or the good heart reaping this harvest of maturity 30, 60, or 100 fold. But in Luke, it only mentions just 100. And so I think there Jesus is saying that even for those that have a good heart, there's low level of maturity, medium level, and then this high level of maturity. And so in Luke, I love this passage because I think it's encouraging us all to be the man, the men and the women that God has created us to be. And so uh, I'm reminded of this story. Uh, there is a man who had intended to propose to his sweetheart. And so they go out to dinner, and he looks at her, and he says, Sweetheart, I love you with all my heart. Now, I don't have a Mercedes like Johnny Green, and I don't have a big fancy house like Johnny Green, and I don't have a bank account like Johnny Green, but I love you with all my heart, and I'll give you everything that I have. Will you marry me? And so she looks at him, and she says, Sweetheart, I love you too, but tell me more about Johnny Green. Uh, it's a funny story, but we do that as Christians. Uh, we commit our loves to Jesus and we sing and praise him and thank him. But oftentimes 
we, we struggle with these divided loyalties. I know that I see that in our lives, and my wife and I talk about that regularly, where we say we want to pursue God's holiness, but yet sometimes we will allow ourselves to be entertained with evil. Uh, I grew up listening to music that was written in hell by Satan, and sometimes when I'm in a bad place, I return to that music. I did it this week. God forgive me, and my wife and I had a little bit of conflict over that, and I made this resolution. I said, Jesus, you have to help me turn away from this, because for me, it represented a lifestyle. Uh, and so God helped me to, uh, to be devoted, help us to, uh, to not be uh, walking this American Christianity that oftentimes is divided, but to be fully committed. Um, our agenda for this morning, um, I just want to leave you with or share with you our primary goal for this morning is that we would walk out of church today with our hearts set on pursuing full Christian maturity. Um, I'll share some scriptures, and we'll talk through these, these heart conditions, and we'll close. Uh, if, if you have a concern or an issue with anything that I share, you can email me at marcusdoe <laughs> at providence.org. Uh, in all seriousness, uh, Paul, in, in, uh, in, in, in the book of Acts, uh, Luke is the author, but Paul talking about this church uh, in Acts, where there was this group of folks named the Bereans. You guys are familiar with them. Uh, everything Paul presented to them, they would take it back to the Word and study it to see if it was true. And so I'll encourage you to do that uh, this morning. And so our agenda for this morning, we're going to look at the four different heart types presented in this passage. Uh, and then we're going to look at practical ideas on how we can pursue full Christian maturity. And so uh, we love God. We want to please Him. And so part of the, the practical steps is looking at, hey, how can I, what, what can I include in my rhythms or how I pursue Jesus Christ? Um, I think this is illustrated in the story of this woman who uh, was married to a woman, or excuse me, this woman was married to a man that she did not love. Uh, he was harsh. He wrote out lists of exactly everything that she needed to do from 5 a.m. all the way to 12 o'clock in the evening she had to be at certain places at certain time, have his breakfast, iron his clothes, wash this, wash that, do this. Uh, he was exacting in his demands on her, and she was overwhelmed. And finally, he died. And he was like, man, praise God. Um, and so she, she, a few years goes by, and, and she remarries, and she's going through some old stuff, and she finds this list that her previous husband had given her of all the things that she had to do. And she's reading through this list, and she's like, man, this is crazy. I'm still doing a lot of these same things. But she realized that she was doing them with a different attitude because she had a husband who loved her and cherished her and respected her and was disciplined and worked hard for her. And she said, man, I love him, and I am relishing in my service. And so in the context of anything that I may encourage us to do in our pursuit of Jesus Christ, we recognize that we're not doing these things out of any motivation other than our love for, uh, for Jesus Christ. Amen. So as we look at the, uh, the four different heart types, uh, I just want to highlight one of the, what I think one of the main points of this passage is that the, significant of, the significance of the Word of God in relationship to our response as Christians uh, this, this good heart that we see in this passage loves the word of God. It responds to it and seeks to do it. And so 
Jesus' disciples come in an effort to try to understand that, and they say, uh, his disciples in verse 9, they said, you know, they're basically saying, what does this mean? They say, the knowledge of the, uh, excuse me, they said, hey, Jesus, what is this parable all about? And Jesus' response was, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. And so Jesus is saying some people hear, some people understand this, some people don't. And the difference is ultimately our response to the word of God. It's a barometer for our heart condition. And Jesus here is highlighting good heart, bad heart. So it's very, very simple. There are good hearts and there are bad hearts. We're good, so we want to identify how good hearts respond to the word and what we should do or not do in our pursuit of bearing fruit and becoming mature Christians. And so the type of heart, number one, uh, verse 12, it says, those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And so question, what does Satan have to take from people to compromise their belief in Jesus? Real question. The word of God. Satan attacks the word of God. And so if as a believer, I'm thinking, man, I don't really care about scripture. I don't really care about what the word has to say. We should, we should take that as a warning. Amen. The good heart, we hear the word, but Satan doesn't come and take it. The bad heart, Satan can come and take it. And so Satan right now is saying, I've got to separate the believer from the word of God. So we see that in this, in this particular, with this particular heart. And we see in other passages of scripture that Satan attacks the word. So he came to Eve, right? The very first uh, picture of human beings in this world living in perfection. Uh, Satan comes to Eve and what was his very first question to her? Did God really say, I am going to go straight and attack the word of God? And so Eve, right, she falls into this trap and we know what happened. She ends up eating this, uh, this you know, the apple as she, sh- she should not have. But what if Eve was in Bible study? She only had one command. And what if she was studying that command? Jesus, or the Father told us not to eat from any tree in the garden. Or excuse me, from, from just Jesus. God told us not to eat from the tree of, of knowledge of good and evil. And we can have any other tree. And she's studying that, right? Making sure she's clear. And then Satan comes and he tries to tempt her. She, she would have just been like, man, Satan, like back up off me. Like I'm good because it's right here in front of me. And so we, want, we don't want to be type number one. Type number two is the shallow Christian. Verse 13, it says, those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. In Matthew 13, verse 21, it says, since, the, since he, the shallow Christian, has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. And so real question, what are some things that might bring about trouble or persecution in the life of the believer? Struggles? Sin? Trouble or persecution in the life of the believer. 
trouble, sin, any others? Sickness, absolutely, that's a great one. Poverty. And so it's, it's, it would be prudent as we read the text to think about, man, what are some of the things that culturally are going on that might bring about trouble or persecution so as to be prepared and rooted in the scripture because the shallow Christian is not rooted in the truth. They're not grounded in the word. So the good heart builds their life on the word and the shallow Christian, they just kind of flow with, with what culture's saying and then when trouble or persecution comes, they fall away. Uh, type number three. Verse 14 says, the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear the word, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. I thought that it was interesting that this says that as they go on their way, meaning that a Christian could be in church and relatively doing a good, be, be doing a relatively good job at walking with the Lord, but as they go on their way, right? They get choked. One of the thorns that can choke our faith is worry. And so what we know from what the word has to say is that people who worry a lot, right? Their life is characterized by worry. They are not focused on Jesus or righteousness. And so we're reminded of when Jesus was hanging out with Mary and Martha. You guys remember when Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet and she was listening to everything that he had to say. What was Martha doing? She was go, 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 right? The scripture says that she was worried and upset about many things. And Jesus said only one thing is needed. But she persevered. Uh, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he commanded us not to worry. He said, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear. And he's basically saying, don't worry about the things that are most essential to life. What did he tell us to seek first? His kingdom and his righteousness. And so as, as those that have good hearts, we look at that and we say, man, I'm not going to be choked out and compromised by worry. I'm going to pursue his kingdom and his righteousness. Uh, another thorn he points out here is this concern with wealth or money or riches. In Luke 12, 16, Jesus tells this parable of this rich fool who is focused on money and obsessed with himself. And so in, in this verse, he says, this rich fool, he says, here's what I will do. So we're noticing his self-absorption. Here's what I will do. I will tear down my barns. I will build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods and he says, I'll just rest and, and live this wealthy life. And Jesus comes to him and says, you fool, this day you're going to perish. Why? Because he was concerned with himself and with materialism. And so this is a warning for those of us with a good heart to not be compromised by those concerns. Amen. The final thorn that he points out is pleasure. And obviously the context here is not godly pleasure, but illicit pleasure. And so real question what is the most popular addiction in the United States today? Somebody said it. Somebody said pornography. It might be sugar. I don't, we don't really talk about that as an addiction. <laughs> Certainly is a struggle for me in my life. Uh, but it's, it's, it is porn. But as we think about the various pleasures, especially in the context of media, uh, we see that pleasure be can become a problem. It can become a thorn. And 
I would simplify it as saying pleasure that is self-focused, not Christ-focused, chokes out maturity. And so because we know that pornography is one of those, uh, I would say to the men or women that might be struggling with that, I would encourage that individual to fight to know everything that the Word of God has to say about that subject, and then to find a man or a woman or a group of men or women who you can walk alongside as you endeavor to overcome that struggle. But it's, it's pleasure, illicit pleasure that compromises us is a self-focused pleasure. So in Proverbs 7, we see this illustrated in the context of lust or, or immoral sexuality. Proverbs 7 says, The foolish man wanders in the direction of the immoral woman. Now in the street, now on the, I said the internet, at every corner she lurks. She says to him, I have looked for you and I have found you. Let's enjoy ourselves with love, with persuasive words, not the word of God, but persuasive words. She led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. She makes it all about him. I'm looking for you. I've, I've, I've prepared my bed for you. You, you, you. And it says, all at once he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver. And so the illustration all throughout Proverbs, because this is a major theme, is that lust brings death. Amen. It's a literal death of life. But before that happens, right, there's the death of a marriage or the death of healthy sexuality. Uh, the Bible says that it compromises a man's best strength. And so it is, it is very dangerous. And so whether it's that pleasure or others, the good heart repents of those things and avoids them. Amen. And so most of us as Christians struggle with worry. Uh, at times, we struggle with a desire for riches. We struggle with different forms of lust. And so the key for the good heart here is repentance. The good heart repents, the bad heart does not. And so we are to consistently run away from that which seeks to ruin us. Amen. The final type, type number four, is the good and noble heart. And so verse 15 says, The seed that falls on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word so the good heart hears the word, retain it, number two, and by persevering, going through difficulty while hearing and retaining the word, they produce a crop, and Luke says, a hundred times more than what is sown. So key words here, hear the word, retain the word, and then I would say persevere in the standard of the word. That is a, a huge call. If you think about when you look at what the word has to say and you're saying, man, Jesus, this standard is impossible, right? Hence, we're Christians and we have the Holy Spirit giving us the grace to pursue that standard. But for many of us, for all of us, it, it's going to take years for us to attain to that level of maturity. But what oftentimes the risk is, is it will lower the standard. Did God really say that I shouldn't? And so we lower the standard. And so what this passage is encouraging us to do is keep the standard Amen. where the word says it should be and then persevere in our pursuit of God's standard out of love for him, begging him for, for his help. James chapter 1 verse 3 says, but the man who looks intently, the Greek word there means intense, looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, speaking to the value of just consuming the scripture because it gives us strength, it feeds our soul says the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, 
he will be blessed in what he does. Again, this is the good heart. This is how the good heart responds to the word. We look intently. It gives freedom. We don't forget, and we do it, begging God for his help, and we bear fruit. And so just some practical ideas on how we can make application of pursuing that, that, that we, we have that good heart, we want to b- uh, bear fruit and be mature Christians. Uh, I was at the gym one day with a friend of mine named Justin, and we were doing this interval workout, and this gentleman comes in who kind of looked like Beezy, and he was like, man, you know, that's a great workout that you guys are doing, and we were like, man, we need to be doing what you're doing. So we started having this dialogue as we're working out, and we started talking about life, and the man shared that just recently his son had gotten killed pursuing this gang-oriented lifestyle that he had turned away from. So he had turned away from that a number of years ago, but his son stayed, and ultimately it cost him his life. And so we were kind of talking about working out, kind of talking about life, and he said this quote that I'll never forget. He said, well, fellas, I guess what you do will show. And so what we do as Christians in our pursuit of God, it shows in our maturation and in our godliness. And so when we look at these practical ideas, uh, what, we're, what we're looking at is what do we do with what I call our, our heart hours? We all have many, many responsibilities, things that we have to do. But then there, there, is these, there are these hours of the day where we, 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 we dedicate our hearts voluntarily to something. And we know what those things are when they are harmful. Like, man, social media is perfectly fine, right? It's a, it's a completely appropriate tool unless we use it in the wrong way. But really the context here is as I'm pursuing Jesus Christ and I'm looking at the things that might stand in opposition to my pursuit of the, of the Lord in the word or in prayer, what are, what, what are those things that easily cause me to stumble in my pursuit of the Lord? And so oftentimes when we talk about this, we'll say, hey, you know, we'll, we want to pursue the Lord in the word. And people will, you know, say, we'll say, I say, well, I just don't have the time. I don't have the time today. And if we look at what we do have time for, oftentimes there are things that fall far short of the call of sitting at the feet of Jesus Christ. And so we think about social media. We think of television. We think of pornography. It can be work. It can be good things that we go too far in, our, in compromising our time uh, with the Lord. Amen. And so my ask this morning is that we would renew our commitment to Jesus Christ. Everybody in here has some rhythm and time that they spend with the Lord. And so I'm just encouraging us to be reminded of the original commitment we made because it's so easy to drift from those original commitments and return to them, return to the word, ex- expand our volume, uh, one of the, the, the really valuable resources that is available to you is this Bible reading plan written by a gentleman by the name of Grant Horner. Uh, they are going to be outside in the foyer at the front desk. Uh, he wrote this plan as a man that committed his life to Christ, struggling with addiction and trying to climb out of that. And he was like, man, I want to grow in righteousness. I want to overcome these addictive struggles how do I do that? And he learned the value of voluminous consumption of the word. And so he wrote this Bible reading plan that uses these bookmarks and it takes you through the entire word at different places. It's 10 chapters a day. It's a commitment. But for the mature believer, for those who have been in Christ for quite some time that are saying, man, I really want to go further in my knowledge of the word. And 
when I'm thinking through life's challenges or I'm giving advice to others, I want to be able to give really highly contextualized words of advice to myself or to others. This, this Bible reading plan is, is worth its weight in gold. We've used it for a number of years, and it's been a, a blessing. And so a rhetorical question, how important is the word of God in the life of the believer who's saying, I want to seek full maturation in Jesus Christ? Critically important. Job said, my feet have closely followed his steps. I have kept to his way without turning aside. I have not departed from the command of his lips. I have treasured the word of his lips more than my daily bread. So this man who God said is blameless, saying, I treasure God's word more than my food. In Psalm 119, David said, my soul is consumed with longing for your laws at all times. I delight in your commands because I love them. I rejoice in your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. How can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? I will walk about in freedom for I have sought out your precepts. So what are some, 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 some popular themes or, or phrases of opposition that we might hear as we say, man, I really want to really want to be disciplined. I recognize that, man, turning the television off or turning the phone off and spending this time with the Lord, like, man, that's, that's kind of heavy. And, and, and so in the context of our lives or feedback from other people, we're going to receive opposition. And so here's, here's some ideas of what that might sound like uh, or what I've heard, right? One is that's legalistic. It is legalistic for you to make a commitment to the word of God or to prayer that, that, that that's just not how this Christian thing should work. And so legalism is defined as requiring something that is not required. So if I said, hey, you shouldn't eat pork, that would be legalism because the Bible doesn't require that. You know, you're free to not eat pork if you want to, but that is not a requirement biblically. What is a requirement is that we know and understand God's promises, that we let the word of Christ dwell richly within us. First uh, Ephesians 2, 8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So I'm not saying we're doing this to be saved because God gives us salvation as a gift. It is not by works so that no one can boast. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So it's saying the gift of God is not by works, but then once we're saved, we have good work to do. What is the best work we do as Christians? Seek God first. Intimacy with Jesus Christ first. And then everything else flows from that. Another word of opposition I've heard and that my flesh has said to me is that this is not spiritual. Man, you don't really feel like doing this. It's late. It's too early in the morning. You've got other things to do. This is not spiritual. 1 Corinthians 9.24 says, Paul says to the church in Corinth, he said, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Amen. What do they do? They, they enter into strict training. So Paul is using athletics, which is a big deal in today's society, as an illustration for the commitment. And so as we prepare to close, I just want to remind you of our goal today was that we would all walk out saying, man, I am going to pursue Christian maturity. I'm going to pursue being the man or the woman that God has called me to be. Amen. And so 
I'm reminded of this story uh, that was actually told by this pastor named Brian Loritz when he was in high school. He was a freshman, and he was playing for the football team, and he was in the gym lifting weights with all the upperclassmen, and he said, man, I was walking through the weight room with my flat chest, all cool, and I go get some water. I go back to the weight bench, which had two 10-pound weights on either side. He said, I get under the weight bench, do three or four reps, get up, walk around a little bit. So he goes over to the weight bench, and it said his coach came in, and he looked across the weight room, and he saw him lifting these weights, and he says, Loritz. Boy, what are you doing? Take those girly weights off the bar. And so he's in shock, right? And all the upperclassmen look, and they're giggling, and he walks over, and he pulls the 10-pound weights off, and he puts on 45-pound plates on each side. And he said, now, son, lift this three times. So now all the upperclassmen come around, and they're like, man, this is crazy. Like, how's this little dude going to do this? So he gets under the weight, and he's like, man, I'm about to embarrass myself. I can't run out of here. So he grabs the bar, and he gets it up. And then when he comes down, he's like, man, this is about to crush my chest. But the coach comes down and he says, now, son, I got you. I'm spotting you. And so he, they lift the weight, right? He does a second rep. He does a third one. And then he whispers to him. He says, son, if you want to get big, you've got to lift something heavy. And so we're going to close in prayer. And I just want to remind you that we have this Bible reading resource out there. You probably have a plan that you've committed to already. It doesn't matter how you do it, but my encouragement is that we would all, in our effort to pursue Christian maturity, spend more time at the feet of our, uh, of our loving Savior. Amen. Father God, thank you for uh, this passage of Scripture, uh, Lord. Thank you for uh, giving us good hearts, uh, Lord God, that respond, that love your word, that love the, the call to to righteousness, the righteousness that comes only by faith in Jesus Christ, Lord, not by our own effort. Uh, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would help us to attain to the full maturity of that which you've called us to. Uh, amen. Uh, if this message this morning has uh, had an impact or if you have something else on your heart and you would like someone to pray with you, members of our prayer team uh, are going to uh, come up. And so during this song, uh, you are welcome to uh, share some prayer requests.